greetings, friends and fellow patriots and fellow citizens, and welcome to this week's edition of the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I'm the president of the We the People Convention, and I'm the host of this podcast. And we're sure glad that you decided to join us on Saturday, August, uh, excuse me, September 25th, 2021. For those of you who are new to this podcast, you know, the goal is to look at the news of the week, get rid of all the propaganda, uh, do some analysis of it, and, and do that in, in, with a lens that says, how does, does this affect you, your individual freedom, liberty, and prosperity, and our nation, and our American way of life? So that's, that's what we try to do here. And so it's a condensed version of the news. I know that a lot of you watch this show weekly because you're not watching uh, other you know, news anymore because it's, it's literally almost all propaganda. Uh, Fox News uh, viewership is down 39%. The CNN, MSLSD, and all the rest of them, their, their viewership is like not even as good as some podcasters. And why is that? Because they can't be trusted. So when you come here to watch this podcast, you know, I understand that, that we have a relationship. You count on me to tell you the truth. And I count on you to share that truth and to act upon the things that we, we think are important to us. So this isn't just about talk. This is about action. You will find in this show, I will ask you to do specific things as I've done every week, you know, that we've done this show that I think will help us protect and defend our freedom, liberty, and prosperity and our nation, our constitution, and our American way of life. So it's, it's interactive, right? This is, this is your show. We're working together and, and it's based on truth because folks, I got news for you. You can't lie. Uh, I cannot lie to you. If I lie to you, you should stop watching, okay? And you can't lie to your family, to your uh, coworkers, to you know, to people at your church. This is what's wrong with American society. We we've lost our values, and one of the most important values are you know to not lie, uh, because you can't get anything done if you're lying to yourself, let alone lying to other people. So we're going to focus very hard on that. And, and that's not easy to, you know, to, to just, you know, really work through all the lies that are being told. You're going to see, uh, you know, people just lie right to your face in this podcast. But, you know, we're going to expose those lies. We're going to you know, tell you the truth. And then we're going to act on that. So let's, let's get the show on the road, as it were. You know, as you know, we've been beginning our shows every uh, week for the last several months uh, with a moment of silence for the prisoners, the political prisoners being held uh, in Washington, D.C. by the Biden regime. Uh, you can write to them at PatriotMailProject.com, PatriotMailProject.com. If you go there, you can see uh, the status of their cases. You can uh, get the address to write to them. They give you some advice about that. I've been getting some wonderful letters that you shared with me that the prisoners have written back to you. Um, they're very moving. Uh, yeah, again, why must we defend these people? Because the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, they're being treated uh, against the laws of our nation and even against international law. Their human rights are being violated. They are not being treated fairly. And if we won't defend them, then who's ever going to defend us? So the first thing we're going to do to help them is we're going to just say a quick prayer 
If you would, please just take a moment, ask God to give them strength and courage to stay in the fight. Many of them are writing about the fact that they're not going to settle. They're not going to do a plea deal. They want to go to trial to prove how bad this is and how bad they've been treated. Let's ask God to give them the courage and strength to do that and give us the wisdom to figure out how to get them out of these prisons. All right, let's just take a quick moment and say a prayer. Thank you for that. Uh, and I know the prisoners thank you for that because I've seen their letters where they say, we appreciate your prayers. And, I, and we've said to them, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, hopefully millions of us are praying for them. Um, I want to thank all of you who are, are going to the uh, Justice for J6 rallies around the, the nation and state capitals today. Thank you for that effort. I want to thank, I, last week I didn't uh, have a chance to thank some of you who did what I asked you to do, who had sine waves in your neighborhood just saying, free the political prisoners, you know, justice for the January 6th, you know, political prisoners. Uh, thank you for those who did that. I started to hear about those after uh, the podcast last week. As you know, if you get our uh, emails and our texts, and you should go to wethepeopleconvention.org, wethepeopleconvention.org, right on the front page. We ask for your phone number and your email. We send emails they don't get through as well because Google controls the email system, whether you know it or not, and they block a lot of our stuff. So we also send texts, which have links to the emails, which bring you to our website. I, I did a, a press release after the Justice for J6 rally uh, last weekend because I was just appalled by the way that supposed conservative leaders were presenting the J6 rally. Uh, I sent this press release out on Tuesday. You can see it at wethepeopleconvention.org, and I, I hope you will read the entire press release. It's only like four paragraphs. But I was basically pushing back against the people who said, it was a dud, nobody showed up. Uh, those were just ignorant comments. The fact of the matter was that after January 6th, it was the goal of the left and the government to scare us to prevent us from exercising our constitutional rights. One of those rights is to address our government and our grievances with our government by going to Washington and holding rallies. We did that with Look Ahead America and with our support from your donations. We did it, and we did it in a way that they said we couldn't do it. We did it safely. No one was arrested. There was no incidence of violence. And you know what? We got millions of views of, of you know, people finding out about the, the, you know, the injustices being done to these political prisoners. That was our goal. We succeeded. We baited the media who had said nothing for nine months about these prisoners, except their, their, you know, on occasional hit job about they arrested another one and, ooh, let's get them, right? And they kept calling them insurrectionists and traitors when none of them had been charged with insurrection or treason, right? They've been charged with things like trespassing, which are misdemeanors. This rally brought tremendous attention to our cause. And now today we're building on that with these state capital rallies. And, and it just was disgusting to me how people on our side 
acted as if that wasn't a big deal. Well, guess what? The fact that we went to Washington, had a rally without incident, says we can do another one. And they'll be bigger. And you now know, all of you who were scared, who had irrational fear about the FBI and DOJ were going to round us all up just for protesting or shoot us down just for exercising our constitutional rights. Those are irrational fears. They can't do that. Not yet, at least. They haven't completely taken over the country or completely destroyed the Constitution. Okay? So now you saw we did it and they didn't arrest us. Maybe you'll go to the next one, right? You think that's not important? That was monumentally important. And all the people who said it was a bad idea and it was a dud should be ashamed of themselves. Go read my press release, uh, you know, and also read my essay that I posted at wethepeopleconvention.org. And I'll put a link to that also on the podcast page so you can get to that. But don't let anybody tell you that. There was another, again, you know, the stories keep coming out. I talked to you last week. There's a story on our website how the, the judges are saying the number one charge that the feds are trying to bring against these patriots is bogus. And this charge is interfering with official government proceedings or something like that. And it's totally misapplied. And the judges are throwing it out. The Washington, D.C. judges are, are, are starting to question this, right? So this week... The big story was prosecutors lost a fight to keep a set of January 6th Capitol surveillance videos under seal. A judge rebuffed the government's arguments that releasing more surveillance videos posed a national security risk. This is the bogus claim that the deep state and the Biden regime has been using to prevent inmates, prisoners, political prisoners, from getting the materials they need to defend themselves in court. And this week, they finally lost it. They're going to lose. They have no right to do this. And it's bull crap to say that it's a national security risk to release the 14,000 hours of video that exists. Federal prosecutors on Tuesday released a new collection of Capitol surveillance videos from January 6th after a judge ordered them to do so, rejecting the government's argument that making the clips public could threaten the security of the Capitol. The disclosure marks a setback for the U.S. Capitol Police and the U.S. Attorney's Office in their efforts to control how much footage from the Capitol closed-circuit video system gets out. In the latest case, prosecutors argued that revealing the location and vantage points of more cameras could help bad actors trying to plan some future assault on the building. Yeah, right. You know, before, you could just go get a tour of the Capitol and get all the information you wanted, fan folks. So don't give us that garbage about these cameras or you're going to give them you know, intelligence. A judge concluded that the argument was too speculative, however, and that the public had strong interest in seeing the videos that formed the basis for a recent plea deal. U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell ordered the videos released um, in response to a request from a media coalition, including BuzzFeed News, that is petitioning judges on a rolling basis for videos that pro prosecutors have relied on in the January 6th cases. Howell's decision isn't binding on other judges in U.S. District Court of uh, District of Columbia presiding over the Capitol riot prosecutions, but it gives the media coalition a favorable ruling to point to in future fights. The clip covers a period of about 15 minutes on January 6th between 2.25 p.m. and 2.40 p.m. in different locations inside the Capitol. They show, quote, rioters streaming through open doors and broken windows at an entrance on the Senate side. Crowds of people walking into the crypt, standing 
in a large crowd and eventually dispersing. Yeah, where was the rioting part about that again, guys? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're winning. Got to keep fighting. We got to keep defending them. Thank you for going to the Justice for J6 rallies. We're going to be donating some of your donations that you give to the We People Convention to some of the attorneys who are defending these people. Our goal is to get them all out by the end of the year. That's what our goal is. And again, I think we can do that. Now, on to the big story, which, you know, you guys are waiting to see what I have to say about it. I know that Friday, you know, was the, the day yesterday, Arizona Senate forensic election on it was released. Okay. So it was available live. Those of you who went to our website and, and watched it, you know, uh, you got to see what I got to see. So I've had, you know, the night to think about it. I, I don't know that I have all the answers just yet. But I've got some things I want to share with you that I hope will help you process what what we saw yesterday from the uh, Arizona Senate's forensic audit. Now, the media, you know, was out before the event. And, of course, they had a leaked copy that wasn't particularly, wasn't totally accurate. And they were trying to kill the story, okay? They were calling it a, the sham audience. And you can see the talking points had gone out because whether it was NBC, ABC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times, they were all calling it the sham audit, yada, yada, yada. We knew that would happen. The, they then picked up the most important point for them, and that is that the paper count, okay, of the paper ballots basically showed that Biden won and Trump lost. And that was all the headlines. And Fox News spent 15 seconds, and all they said was that Biden won, okay? There was some miscounting of ballots that showed that Biden actually got like 400 more votes or 480 more votes than was released in the original tally. But they completely ignored the evidence that showed that cheating took place, illegal activity took place, that of those paper ballots, see, once you separate the, for instance, the mail-in ballots, where they have an envelope with your signature, supposedly, we talked about that in a second, uh, with your signature saying, you know, I'm an official, you know, uh, a registered voter, and here's my ballot. Once they separate those, you can't, throw out the ballots because you don't know whose ballot is who. So the the problem was that while the paper count came out basically the same as they released it, there's plenty of evidence that showed that tens of thousands of those, you know, Steve Bannon uh, said that uh, he thought that 50,000 of those were bogus and that Trump won. But how do you prove it? Okay. Well, Again, we came steps closer, and I'm going to talk to you about that. Here was the, the, the biggest thing, takeaway for you to, to have. This was in the first presentation by Dr. Shiva, and, and basically what it shows you is that there were duplicate ballots that the Maricopa County did not take out of the count. There were 17,322 duplicate ballots there were 1,919 no-signature ballots, 2,580 scribbled ballots. Now, they, the Maricopa reported some of those, but not all of those, okay? But the bottom line is there were 17,322 duplicate ballots, and they went through a very laborious process to determine that. And I'm going to show you where you can get that information and see for yourself. Trump you know, was defeated by 10,322 votes or something like that. 
supposedly. That's what they say. Here's 17,000 votes that shouldn't have been counted, that were counted. And some of them were counted. These were duplicate votes, and some of them were voted approved, where they were stamped approved and didn't even have a signature. They were illegal. There were all kinds of illegal ballots, okay? So take a look at this slide for the presentation. Official Canvas has 3,432 more ballots cast than the list of people who show as having cast a vote. So how can that be? 9,041 mail-in voters show returning more ballots than they were sent. So the EV33 is, is the, the return ballot database. The EV32 is the sent database. And basically, there were 9,000 people who came back that were never sent. Uh, 277 precincts show in the official canvas as having more ballots cast than people who showed up to vote, a total of 1,551 excess votes. There are 2,472 ballots shown in the EV33 that don't have corresponding entries in the VM55. So the VM55 is the database that actually is, here's who voted. Okay, so 33, uh, 32 is, uh, you know, the who got sent an absentee ballot. 33 is where an absentee ballot came in, back from those that were sent. And then 55 is, these are the people who actually voted in person, on election day, absentee ballot, all of that. Well, how can they not be in the voted database if they supposedly, you know, mailed it in, right? The EV33 says that they mailed it in, but it's not in the voter database. Uh, 255,326 early votes show in the voter database that do not have a corresponding EV33, you know, uh, you know, entry, meaning 255,000 people in Arizona got to vote, but there's no evidence that they returned a ballot. How's that happen? Okay. Uh, there's a couple more additional findings about people who move. Let me go through that. And then I'm going to play a, a video that's going to be helpful to you. 23,344 voters voted via mail-in ballot, even though they show in Melissa, and that's the name of a database, as having moved. And no one with the same last name shows as living in the desk. So there's 23,344 votes who were illegal. They shouldn't have been able to vote. But you can't identify who they are because they've been separated from their ballots, you know, their, their signatures. 2,382 voters voted in person, even though they show in Melissa's having moved out of Maricopa County. 2,081 voters moved out of the state during the 29 days before the election were given a full ballot instead of a presidential-only ballot. So there you have another, what, 10,000 know, people in there? So the point is that we don't know whether... Trump or Biden won because as the canvas audit that I put it on our website that got a lot of people confused because they, you know, there was a canvas that was done by a private group where they actually knocked on doors and said, did you vote and all that kind of stuff. Okay. In their report, which is on our website at weebeopleconvention.org, they basically said that the Arizona audit cannot be, uh, um, you know, affirmed because it's, it's unauditable. You can't audit it because there's all these votes that shouldn't have been counted that are counted. You should have had a revote. That that's what that tells me. Okay, that's what it tells me. But here's the biggest thing. Okay, and it's the criminal activity and the criminal intent. All of us. You, know, I always tell you, think with your own brain, right? You know, use your own common sense. You know, figure this out. Here's the bottom line. 
If Joe Biden actually won the election on election day with 85 million votes, you know, beating Trump by 12 million votes, the week of the election, when questions were coming up about Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Pittsburgh and, you know, Georgia and all this stuff, if you knew you won, if you were confident you won, you would say, hey, 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 Trump, I know you're upset, but I know I won. Let's you and I go to Philadelphia and we're going to count all the votes. You tell us what you want to see. Because if you won, you'd have confidence in that. They didn't do that, did they? They did everything they possibly could to keep you from looking at the votes. Why would you do that unless you were guilty? And now in Maricopa County, you're going to see that they actually took illegal action. There's going to be prosecutions because of what they did. And, and, you know, the state attorney general is now getting this evidence turned over to him. Okay. Watch this video. I think this was the most uh, dramatic moment in the, you know, hours of the, of the video. And I just went and clipped this for you to see. It's about five minutes. So you take a second and watch this or take time to watch this. So on each of these dates, an individual executed a script and that script repeatedly looked for a blank password for all of the accounts on, on the system. Depending on the system, there were only about 16 accounts uh, that were present on a given system. Okay? So this script was run multiple times. On 2.11, 462 log entries were overwritten by this script. On the 3rd of March, 37,686 log entries were overwritten by this same script. On the 12th, which is the day before we received the system, there were 330 log entries overwritten by that script. Now the challenge here is that I know that this occurred. I know which account did it. It was the EMS admin account. If you reflect back to what I just said about the lack of accountability of assigning that, that username to an individual, it now becomes extremely difficult to prove who did it. Okay? Now, luckily, we happen to have some historical data uh, from the MTech video feeds. And so we leveraged that data to backtrack and align these times, and we, we have captured screenshots of Maricopa County people at the keyboards during those time periods. Okay? Now, we've identified that indiv those individuals, but we will not release their names because we understand what the scrutiny is and what the impacts would be to those individuals. But I just want to tell you that the very point that they did not have an assignment of that username makes this extremely difficult to get to the bottom of things like this. And this is not, unfortunately, an isolated occurrence in the course of this audit. Next slide, please. For example, 
on 2-1, 2021, the, the SQL logs on the EMS indicate that the RTR admin account purged the general election results from the database on the EMS. Okay. Now, remember the lack of log retention at this point. We could not find any logged entry that corresponded to, the, uh, to this activity, okay, from security logs. Those Windows security logs only went back to the fifth. But everything was purged on the, uh, on the uh, 1st of February. That's also right before the two audits commissioned by the county were due to commence. I believe they commenced on the 2nd, uh, 2nd of February. So once again, accountability of who had access to the RTR admin account when that, when that password is actually shared among all of the accounts becomes extremely difficult. So who did it, right? Why did they do it? You would think that if you were doing an audit the next day that you would want to have the full context of the election to be audited. But that clearly was not the case in this instance. So just to clarify, so this is a log file specifically from report, report um, tallying, I'm sorry, results tallying and reporting, which is the Dominion software. Um, that entry says that someone went into the program and clicked on something that said, I want to purge all the results for this election. That goes through and that deletes all of the records within it. And if you actually take a look, you can see the success. It's like the second line up. You know that it completed successfully and it literally deletes all of the files on the NAS directory as well which is where all the results from the election are con contained where all the images from the election are contained and all those other details so some individual went into an application and they chose specifically um, to to run something that would clear all records in the system that was used to generate the official results the day before an audit started So that's illegal. The federal law says that all election data must be kept for 24 months. Someone in Maricopa County or with, you know, the, the uh, voting Dominion voting company deleted the entire database of the vote, all the images of ballots, everything. So how can you in an audit, and this is the point, this is why they did it, how can you verify the paper ballots they gave you? Because they could have been produced by the computer. Who knows? Right? And, and these uh, experts also proved unequivocally. There's no doubt that these machines were connected to the Internet. They've got numerous examples of them being connected to the Internet. This, this system was entirely insecure. Could have been, as he said in one part in the testimony, that a, a, a child hacker could break into the system in five minutes. That's how bad our elections are. And another point in the testimony, the, the, the one guy from Cyber Ninjas talked about how ballots are like money. They should be treated the same way. They're, they're, they're more important than money. They're your vote for the most powerful person in the world. Okay. 
They're your vote for how trillions of dollars are going to get spent. And we're treating it like it's it's a drawing at some Boy Scout meeting. It's it's appalling. It's absolutely appalling. And and you can get you know, all of this information if you go. They did a great job of posting it. And and so the Arizona Senate, it's it's Arizona, it's A Z Senator, uh, excuse me, A Z Senate Republicans dot com, A Z Senate republicans.com i've got it on the screen you can see what is there if you click on those gray squares you will be able to download the powerpoints from each of the presenters okay and and i'll link to that on our on our you know podcast page so you can find it but my point to you is that this audit is historic in that it shows what a piece of crap our election system is and, and to prove that point, uh, the Cyber Ninjas closed with a, uh, a report of what, uh, what different legislation should Arizona pass to fix the problems. Folks, it's one, two, three, four, five, six slides. Six slides full of legislation. Legislation should be considered that links voter roll registration to changes in their driver's license or other state identifications. Legislation should be considered that requires voter rolls to be validated against the NOCA both 90 days or more before the election, addition to a week before the mail-in ballots are sent out. Legislation should be considered to give a legally required frequency where the voter rolls should be periodically be compared to ERIC and the Social Security Master Death List or other commercially available tools to be to clean the voter rolls. Uh, election software should be uh, considered, legislation should be considered that would require an application developed and utilized for voter rolls or voting to be developed to rigorous standards that ensure the confidentiality integrity, integrity of the system. Open web application security should be on all machines. Legislation should be considered which requires all uh, voter roll and voter equipment or any other election software to go through regular assessment to confirm ASV level three requirements. No voting equipment should even have the hardware to be able to connect to the internet. They all do. They all have modems on the motherboards. Voting machines. Legislation should be considered to require following the CIS uh, guidelines for election systems and equipment and documentation of variations among these guidelines and signing off on risk memo by the appropriate party for any dev- deviations from those guidelines. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And you can download this. This is uh, the Cyber Ninjas uh, PowerPoint number two. My point is that the, the, the silver lining in this, in this Arizona audit is that Republican legislators around the country, your legislators, are going to look at this list of legislation that should be passed, and they're going to want to do it. Because as we saw yesterday, it's pretty clear, no one wants to get close to overturning an election, right? They don't want to do that. They don't want to take any voters' vote away. But they love to pretend they're doing something and doing something that's safe. So I think that there are going to be a lot of people in state legislators looking at these audit results and saying, hey, are we doing that? You know, for instance, the entire Maricopa voting system had never had a security update since the day it was installed in 2019. Are you kidding me? 
How many of you get security updates on your phone? I just got a security update on my lap, my Macintosh saying, here's a new security update. I get them like once a month. It's Windows does it like weekly. These machines were totally vulnerable to any kind of attack or hack. Why are we letting that happen? I think legislatures are going to take action on that, right? So now the question comes to us about what does this do to our plans to leverage the audits to get legislators to change the rules, to tighten up the elections so we can get people out to vote in 2022 and take back control of our country, right? Because what we were looking for is, you know, the, the Arizona audit to be the triggering event. And our, and our sign says the audits prove that Trump won. Well, you know, I don't know if this audit does prove that Trump won. It does prove that we have horrible elections. It does prove that there's a good chance that Trump could have won because there's 50,000 or more votes that are clearly shouldn't have been counted that were counted. But we don't know who they went for, right? So I need you to, to write to me. I need you to, to tell me what you think we need to do. Now, we just sent out, everyone that's ordered to sign has it. I, I got an email saying they've all been shipped. You should be getting them. You, you know, you've got to decide if you want to put it up right now. And if you do, please send us pictures so we can see that at info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Please do that, okay? But you may want to just hold on to them until we see what happens in Pennsylvania, which is going through an audit. And now Texas says they're auditing four counties where they think cheating happened. And Georgia's still in play. And Michigan is heating up. And Wisconsin. So the question is really one of timing at this point. But we're running out of time because the 2022 election is 14 months away. So it's kind of a mixed bag. I also just need to hear more about you know the results. This is not over. Uh, they've also got these subpoenas in Arizona, which are requiring Maricopa County to turn over some of the router logs and things. And so there's going to be more information coming out. And the state attorney general is going to be looking at criminal activity. Who deleted these logs, right? The guy that they got the picture of, are they going to prosecute? I hope they do prosecute. I hope they do prosecute. So I hope that helps you. I know that, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, as clear as I had hoped it would be. You know, I mean, the closest we came is these 234,000, you know, ballots that never came into the E33 database, right? Uh, you know, that's the kind of number I was looking for that could have really shown that Trump probably won. But, you know, we didn't really get that clear of a vision. And so now we got to be a little more careful as we go forward, but we still have to move forward. All right. You may want to go back and watch some of that. Remember the video I gave you a couple weeks back that says, how do you retain things? How do you learn? You stop and you contemplate what was just said and, and let it go from short-term memory to long-term memory so that you can think about it, okay? This might be a good time to take a break. Maybe you can go back and play that video again. You can do that just on the player. You can always go back, okay? All right.
Now we're going to go on with, you know, other news that's really important. And, and I think this is, you know, really important. So as you know, you know, I've been calling on you to call your congressmen and, and, and tell them that we do not want uh, General Milley's transcript. We want to hear the actual call. He committed treason. I'm going to prove to you that he did in, in, in the next few seconds. But I need you to keep calling your congressman and demand that this be investigated. This is the biggest affront. The chief of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, undermining the President of the United States, undermining civilian control of the military, and going directly to our biggest enemy and saying he will give our enemy a heads up if we're going to take military action against them. If you aren't tried for treason, if you aren't court-martialed, we are in a heap of trouble. We've got to keep demanding it. I know he's supposed to testify. I know Congress is doing some things. But here's some important things to understand. His defense, the left's defense, they call him a hero because Trump was a madman. Yes, if Joe Biden's sane, right? Okay, Trump was a madman and Emilia's a hero. And besides, he did this after the election because Trump, you know, the January 6th was happening and, and that's why he did it. Ah, not true. New timeline of Mark Milley's treason invalidates his defense. This is from Red State. With all the news surrounding the border crisis, Biden's crashing approval numbers, and Hunter Biden's corruption, another story flew under the radar over the last couple of days involving General Mark Milley. You can recall that Mel Milley called the Chinese up to promise to commit treason as defined by the statute on treason in order to undermine then-President Donald Trump. It was an astonishing revelation that showed just how far our military leadership has fallen. Milley was, of course, at the head of pushing critical race theory to service members and the disastrous evacuation from Afghanistan that left 13 American soldiers dead. Now the details of the phone call to the PLA, the People's Liberation Army General, are emerging and the timeline is validating the excuses lodged by those who ran to defend Millie. When this story initially broke, much of the media, including some of the on the right, rushed to suggest that Millie was justified in breaking the chain of command and promising to commit treason because he was doing his job to avoid war during an unprecedented time following January 6th. According to the narrative, things were so up in the air regarding the future of our republic after the trespassing event at the Capitol, a hysterical contention on its own, that Milley had no choice but to effectively declare himself a military dictator and take control of the government. Except the call most in question didn't occur after January 6th. Rather, it occurred on October 30th. If you aren't good with calendars, that was before the election took place. Thus, all the ridiculous contention that Milley was allowed to call up the PLA general to extend an offer of aid, one that could put American service members in interest in harm's way, simply don't wash. Milley was lashing out and undermining the elected president of the United States long before January 6th became an issue. So his defense is invalid. Now, he let me get this next video, very short video, that talks about what he did and what should happen to him because it's it's crystal clear. This guy committed treason and he needs to be put on trial. Woodward cannot be trusted. But now here we go. Bob Woodward's got a book that's got something in it that we want to jump on and everybody's jumping on it like Bob Woodward has been the most reliable source that there's ever been.
Well, it's what the media does. I mean, I could care less about Bob Woodward. I was there uh, with Millie, who worked for us. I was running the Defense Department. And I don't need a book to tell me the accounting of how this man acted and behaved. I saw it firsthand. I saw him, as I like to call him now, he's the Kraken of the swamp because he's the most political figure. That He's even more political than I think Nancy Pelosi is currently. I mean, this guy will say and do anything to save his job. The law... The chairman, the Joint Chiefs of Staff law, legislation passed in 1950, specifically outlines what the chairman's role is, to provide military advice to the President of the United States when asked. That's it. In the statute itself, it prohibits the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from executing any operational command authority whatsoever. It's in the law. And so that's the biggest takeaway, I think, for your audience and, the, and they're probably asking, well, why would they do that? Why would, why would they not allow the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the highest ranking uniformed officer in the military, why wouldn't he have operational control of the military? They don't because our founding fathers and our constitution says the military is to be led by civilians. The civilian being the president of the United States and the secretary of defense. If he made that call and said that to the Chinese, I will tell you for a fact, he did not have the authorization of President Trump or Secretary of Defense Miller, or myself, because I was there working it, we did not know about the content of the call until it released in the media just recently. So no, no permission given, no authority given under the law. So what needs to happen is the following. Put Millie and the 15 people that are in the room and ask him what was said in the call. Get the transcriptions notes. It's not classified. Give them to Congress. Let the American people read it. And if he said it, then he needs to be prosecuted in the Uniform Code of Military Justice and referred to the Department of Justice for prosecution. So I don't know how it can be any clearer than that, right? How can it be any clearer than that? Keep calling your congressman and, and go to our webpage you know, where this story is because I've got a list of things you should tell your congressman and the links for how to contact your congressman on that page and demand that this man be charged. Okay? Demand that we hear that call and don't stop. We cannot let this stand. We must call. And I don't care if you live in a Democratic district. Call your Democratic congressman too. Call your Democratic senators. Make them feel the heat. You got to do it. Okay? That's the first ask of this show. Like I said, we don't just talk. We do. Now, the other really big news that affects you, that affects all of us, is this unbelievably disgusting $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation bill that's being paired with the $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill that's being tied with future bills that are, are you know would basically result in like eight to nine trillion dollars of new spending that is totally unnecessary and is going to basically destroy our country. They're going to raise your taxes like you can't believe. And I'm going to show you in a second. They're going to destroy your freedom. They're going to fund every, they're going to create a leftist army to shut you down so you can never win an election. That's what this is all about. So I put out this story and, and many of you got the text and went right to it and read it because it's a really important story. It's an update on what's really going on with desperate Pelosi's radical leftist plans are falling apart. Okay. Now I'm not going to read the whole story to you, but 
Basically, Democrats set up a showdown and debt limit sh- uh, shutdown. Democrats set up a shutdown and a debt limit showdown with the GOP in desperate ploy to salvage their radical agenda. The, right now, Democrats' efforts to pass their $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation package and enact the bulk of President Biden's economic agenda look like a chaotic mess. But as we head into the final of September, lawmakers may have more urgent issues to worry about, like funding the government to prevent a shutdown and spending the federal debt limit to prevent a global economic convulsion. Democratic leaders said Monday that they would include a suspension of the debt limit through December 2022 for a year, as well as emergency disaster relief and funding to help resettle Afghan refugees as part of the legislation to provide stopgap funding for the federal government through the end of this year. By tying the debt limit to the funding bill, which will require bipartisan support to pass the Senate, Democrats are hoping to force Republicans to swerve in a game of chicken over the government's borrowing authority. Right? They're trying to get Republicans to vote to pass this so they can't take the blame. Right? Which Republicans can't do. Republicans have insisted for months they will not help raise the debt limit, and certainly not while Democrats pursue a partisan package of spending and tax increases. Senate Republicans would support a clean, continuing resolution that includes appropriate disaster relief and targeted Afghan resistance, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said Monday. We will not support legislation that raises the debt limit. McConnell has signaled he won't budge on the issue. You guys think I'm bluffing? He asked the Punchbowl News last week. Well, polls show that Americans believe that it's the Democrats who would be responsible if the you know, government shut down. And as you and I have talked about for years on the conservative side, yeah, shut the government down, please, for like the rest of the Biden term, however long he's in. Because all they do is harm. They aren't helping us. They're hurting us. Okay? And here's, a, here's just to give you an idea, just so you understand. This is a projection of what your share the per capita uh, debt, is, uh, as far as your share of the debt, would change by 2050 if they pass this bill. In 2021, your share is $66,874. That's your every American's share of our national debt, which is outrageous to begin with, okay? By 2050, it'll be $307,000 per person. That's what you're doing to your children. We can't sustain this. Okay, but look at the garbage that's in this bill. I mean, I've I've talked to you about them, you know, putting software in your cars to spy on you uh, all the time to, to, to watch everything you do, your eyes while you're driving, right? Breathalyzers in your car. That's what they're trying to do. They're, they're, they've got things in this stuff to make uh, transgenderism a protected class. So that they could have the same rights as, as, uh, gays and, and women and, and veterans and, and racial, uh, you know, quotas that are protected classes. This, this is, it's unbelievable. But listen to this thing. You gotta, you can't even believe this stuff. And there it is. Journalist stimulus subsidy tucked away in infrastructure bill. Okay, the $3.5 trillion infrastructure package being pushed by the White House, by congressional Democrats and by their media allies contains a subsidy for local news outlets with critics warned would complete the media's transition into state-run media. The bill would specifically permit, permit local news outlets to collect a tax credit subsidy for every journalist they employ. There are no journalists. They're all propagandists. 
The credit would be equal to, get this, 50% of each journalist's salary in the first year, but reduced to 30% going forward with a cap of $12,500 per quarter. Per quarter or 50000 total per year. Per journalist. They get to write it off. So now they could hire these kids out of college who've been indoctrinated to write this crap in your local rag to influence you that the world is going to hell and that you're a racist, okay? And you'd pay for it. But as even greater concern is what effect the federal government's money would have on journalism itself, according to Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson. Not only is this proposal a grotesque waste of taxpayer money, it would be a dangerous precedent of government collusion with the media. Biden's collusion with the press has already caused enough damage to freedom of speech and freedom of press, he warned in a recent statement to the Washington Times. Indeed, Adam Gillette, the founder of the conservative media watchdog group Accuracy in Media, is certain that the subsidy would only make the already biased media even more corrupt. How could we ever trust journalists to accurately cover the elected officials who voted against their funding? How can you speak truth to power when you're also pleading with the power for cash? He warned in an op-ed this week in the Daily Signal. Folks, they will stop at nothing. We must stop at nothing to prevent them from passing this. Okay? And here's the irony of irony. You're going to love this next story. Try not to throw up. Coke back group launches seven-figure ad blitz opposing the $3 trillion budget bill. Americans for Prosperity, uh, an advocacy group backed by GOP mega-donor Charles Koch. That's a misstatement. He was against Trump. He, he, he helped elect rhinos. They're not, they're not a GOP donor group. Launched a multi-billion dollar ad campaign Thursday attacking Democrats' $3.5 trillion social spending package. The connected TV, radio, and direct mail and online ad blitz argues that the bill would lead to more government control and higher inflation. It will target 25 Democrats, including moderates, who express reservations about the $3.5 trillion price tag, such as Joe Manchin and Christian Sema and Republican Representative Josh Gunther, uh, Gothheimer from New Jersey. A government takeover of our economy is a fundamental departure from the spirit of entrepreneurialism we've relied on for generations to drive prosperity, and there's only one outcome, unmitigated economic disaster, and that will be uh, difficult to reverse, AFT President Tim Phillips said. In recent months, AFP has orchestrated an extensive effort to oppose both Democrats' reconciliation bill and the $1.2 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, which it argues doesn't make sufficient changes to regulations needed to improve roads and bridges. Get this. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce on Wednesday announced a six-figure ad campaign urging moderate House Democrats to oppose the $3.5 trillion bill after warning that it would revoke endorsements for Democrats who vote for the measures. The National Federation of Independent Businesses, a GOP-aligned small business group, and they are, uh, also launched a six-figure ad campaign Wednesday urging Cindy Axey from Iowa, Janine Shahan from New Hampshire, and Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire to vote against the reconciliation bill. Remember, Pelosi only has a three-vote margin in the House. So if they can convince six people to vote, no, it goes nowhere. But here's the irony. The Koch brothers in, in the chamber elected these people. They elected these commies. They elected Joe Biden. They were against Donald Trump. They created this mess. And now, now they want to spend their money to stop it. Yeah. How dumb are you? You should be ashamed. Don't help Freedom Works. Don't help the Koch brothers. 
Don't help Americans for prosperity. These people are all responsible for what's happening. My goodness gracious. So here's the bottom line. And I, I told you this last week, I think, and I'll mention it again. I spoke to a person who was an expert on parliamentary procedures. The fact of the matter is that Republicans can stop all of this and don't let them tell you anything different. None of this can happen if the Republicans don't let it happen. You can, you have to have a quorum in the House and in the Senate, which means over 50% have to be physically in attendance. The Republicans in the House must say, we will not participate in this destruction of our country. You're going to own it 100%. We will all not show up. And you know what? A bunch of these quote-unquote 25 moderate Democrats, they won't show up either, and they can't vote on it. Shame on the Republicans for not telling you that for not saying that we're going to stop this, because they can, and they could do the same thing in the Senate, and I told you about that, how in the Senate, they have, in reconciliation, they have unlimited ability to make amendments, and every amendment has to be voted on. They could, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, you know, whoever, they could be making amendments to this if it got to the Senate that would make it never pass. It's up to the Republicans to defend our republic. They're going to do it? Yeah. Call them. Call them out. Tell them what I just said. Hit the pause button. Listen to what I just told you and tell them. And and, and guys, I mean, I don't want to you know, say that you don't do stuff because I know you do. Man, I love you. I love all the people who are members of the We The People Convention because you are fighters. You are patriots. You're not just here to get entertained. I don't think I'm very entertaining, okay? You come to get information that you can act on. And boy, did you do it this week. I talked to you last week about the Biden administration wants to get make force banks to report to the IRS any transactions over $600 that come into your bank account. So they can catch rich people, okay, who are not paying their taxes, which is absolutely outrageous, all right? And so I said, write to your bank and and say that if you do that, if you agree to this, I'm going to move all my money into Bitcoin. Um, and that was a threat I wanted you to make to them. And I know a lot of you don't understand Bitcoin, all right? And so I said, I put together a web page, okay, that I texted out to you guys that gave you a sample letter that I wrote to my bank. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole letter here, but you'll see what it says. And then I gave you instructions, you know, how to copy the letter, who to send it to, and all that stuff. But then I said, while the threat to move your money to Bitcoin may be something you don't even know about or understand, it is something that threatens the banks and therefore can be effective in moting them to protect your interests. So, excuse me, their interests. So while it may be a bluff on your part, it will motivate them to act. So what I'm understanding is, is that this, this rule is basically for people who like, uh, have eBay uh, uh, monies get transferred to them, who have PayPal money transferred to their account, who have other kinds of transfers come into their account that may be income that you should pay income taxes on. Okay. And the federal government wants to look at all that. Well, that's just not going to happen. And, and, and so. You guys did a great job. I mean, 
tens of thousands of you went to look at this letter, okay, and go to our website and you can see it, all right? Click on that story and you'll get the, the you know, the letter I wrote, copy it, paste it, send it to your bank. But I'll tell you, the banks and the credit unions didn't know it was coming at them. They had no idea because you guys wrote to me and said, my bank didn't even know about this. My, my bank branch manager didn't know about it. I guarantee you, because there's so many of you who did it that every bank in the country had to be contacted because our, you know, we're nationwide. You know, we've got a hundred thousand people out here, you know, who are, who are, you know, acting on what we're saying. So you're writing to your bank, whether it's PNC or Chase or Wells Fargo, and it's going up the chain of command saying, look at this email I got. Are we doing this? Are we going to agree to that? There's going to be major pushback. We're going to stop this. That's why you're doing what I ask you to do makes a difference. And I thank you for doing it. It's important. And I thank you for sharing that with other people. Okay. And speaking of, you know, the hypocrisy, you know, before we take a, a short break here, been going on for quite a while. Um, Biden, who demands that, you know, people pay their fair share in taxes may up to five, may owe up to 500,000 in back taxes. Oh, Democratic President Joe Biden, who has reportedly demanded that we all pay our fair share, a report comes out that he is pushing his party to pass a massive $3.5 trillion bill <coughs> that has been widely criticized as a leftist wish list, which comes as inflation rates have skyrocketed under Biden's presidency. The report also comes as Biden is trying to beef up the IRS by $80 billion to crack down on what he claims are people not paying their taxes. A House Ways and Means Committee draft of the bill would end the accounting trick apparently exploited by Biden and boost IRS funding for audits, but the new report drafted by the Congressional Research Service and provided to the Washington Post suggests Biden owes taxes under current rules, according to the congressman who requested it. Joe Biden wants to raise $2.1 trillion while claiming the rich need to pay their fair share, but in 2017, multimillionaire Joe Biden skirted his payroll taxes, the very taxes that fund Medicare and Obamacare, says Jim Banks, a Republican of Indiana, chairman of the Republican Study Committee, said in a statement to the Post. According to the criteria CRS provided to my office, he owes the IRS and the American people hundreds of thousands of dollars in back taxes. Everybody should know about Joe Biden's tax hypocrisy, right? Share that story with friends and family, right? Because he's going to tell you, you need to pay your taxes, but boy, they never do what they tell you you should do. Notice that as a trend? One final financial story before we take a break. I posted this video from Glenn Beck on our website under the video section. So there's a video section. If you go to WeThePeopleConvention.org, you can see various videos that I post. And this is a, a, a podcast that he did about how the Federal Reserve has mysteriously stopped doing GDP reports. Now, gross domestic product reports are critical because businesses use it, it, it analysts use it to make decisions about you know, what's going on with the economy. And all of a sudden, they stopped doing it. And Glenn Beck says, why are they doing that? And what does that mean about the real state of the economy? Because you can't really know what's going on without those reports. Why is the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve not allowing those reports? It's not a long video. Maybe I think it's like 20 minutes. Go to WeThePeopleConvention.org and watch that because uh, it's pretty scary what they're doing. And we've got to stop them. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski, and I hope you'll stick around for the second half of the podcast.
The We The People Convention News and Opinion Radio Program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. I want to thank all of you who uh, do donate to the We The People Convention. It was your donations that helped us help pay for security at the Justice for J6 rally in Washington. Your donations paid for the ads that we took in the Washington Times, uh, you know, that I hope you were proud of that we made that stand. Uh, they pay for the, the text messages and the emails and the website and, and my travel expenses and, and speaking expenses when I go to talk to Liberty groups around the state and the nation. So thank you for those donations. We greatly appreciate it. However, I know everyone can't give. I've gotten emails from people saying, Tom, I wish I could give, but I can't. I know that. Everyone can't do it. We all have to do what we can do. So you, if you can't give, you need to just act. Do what I ask you to do, right? Call your congressman about Millie. Miley, call your, uh, you know, your congressman about, uh, you know, this, this 3.5 trillion. Act. Stand up and fight for, against critical race theory in your school. You know, do something. That's what's most important. But thank you to those who can't afford to donate. We greatly appreciate your support. We wouldn't be here without it. Okay. And I also want to bring to your attention the, you know, the, the, the podcast page. A lot of people are, are saying they didn't realize that we had a podcast page because on our website, the player is like there and you can just click it and it starts playing. But there's a little yellow box that's on the front page of our website that says podcast. When you click that, you go to our podcast page, and this page tells you where you can, how you can listen on Roku and on uh, Amazon Fire TV, which is how I watch the podcast. I watch it on TV. You can get it on iTunes, just the audio, or on uh, Buzzsprouts uh, as a, a podcast company. But most of all, it's got the links to all the stories on our podcast page. So you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, click the yellow button that goes to our podcast page, and you'll see the player, but you'll see the links to our stories so that you can download the PowerPoints from the Arizona Senate audit. So you can get the information about you know what to do if you get COVID and you, you don't want to go to the hospital. You know Those kind of things are on that page. I just wanted to make that clear. Okay? Take a look at our page. It's a great website. And don't forget to use the search eyeglass at the top. Just click the search eyeglass and put in, you know, uh, election fraud or put in M Millie or put in any of that stuff. And, and it'll pull up all kinds of stories. We've got great stuff on our website. Go and search and, and explore. And I'm telling you right now, I can't cover them all in this podcast. Check in every day because I, I posted stories that I, I didn't had no time to show on this podcast. Now, so the next really big thing, right? We talked about election fraud. We talked about this budget fiasco, okay? There's a threat to our country, to you, to your individual freedom and liberty. I showed you how your debt would go up. Your taxes are going to increase astronomically, okay, if they pass these budget things. But the other big story that they're trying to divert you from is the border crisis. And this week, uh, the Biden's, you know, uh, border chief, released a letter that just totally exposes what's going on on the border. And it's, folks, you, you know, they're trying to cover it up. It is a purposeful destruction of our sovereignty. That's what they're doing. 
In a stunning blunt warning to senators, President Joe Biden's just departed border chief, patrol chief, is accusing the administration of intentionally eroding security to bring illegal aliens into the country and misleading Congress about the severity of the crisis. They keep saying the borders are closed. Nothing to see here. Liars. They're liars. We talked about the truth at the beginning of the show. These people are liars. I'm going to prove it to you in a second, again, with the liar-in-chief. Rania Scott, a 29-year-old career law enforcement officer who retired last month as the U.S. Border Patrol chief, wrote that the Democrats and Republican leaders of the Senate and its Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee that career experts have offered numerous recommendations to slow the crisis but have been repeatedly rebuffed. Common sense border security recommendations from experienced career professionals are being ignored and stymied by inexperienced political appointees, Scott wrote in a letter sent earlier this month and obtained by Just the News. The Biden administration team at DAS is laser focused on expediting the flow of migrants into the U.S. and downplaying the significant vulnerabilities this creates for terrorists, narcotic smugglers, human traffickers, and even hostile nations to gain access to our homeland. He wrote to Senators Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Gary Peters, and Rob Portman in a letter dated September 11th. If you go to this story at WeThePeopleConvention.org, you can click a download, read his letter. It's brutal. This is intentional. It's also illegal. And we're going to talk about impeaching Joe Biden for this in just a minute. The the distraction that happened this week was this bogus, heinous misrepresentation of when they sent Border Patrol to stop the Haitians from coming in. The 25,000 Haitians, 15,000 of them were under the bridge, and they sent the horses, right? They sent the horses there, and the left immediately turned it into racism. Why? To distract you from the real story, right? To cover up. Here's the liar-in-chief himself. Listen to this. Hey, everyone. Of course, I take responsibility. I'm president, but it was horrible what to see, as you saw. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay. They will be an investigation underway now, and there will be consequences. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. It's dangerous. It's wrong. It sends the wrong message around the world. It sends the wrong message at home. It's simply not who we are. It's exactly who you are. It's a damned lie. And you're sending the message around the world about the damned lie. No one was strapped. No one was ripped, whipped. No one was run over by a horse. It's a damned lie. And you're a damned liar. And it's your our responsibility, all of you watching this, to let people know that it's a damned lie. The photographer who took the picture, okay, the photographer who took the picture says, the Border Patrol's horse unit takes a sledgehammer to whipping the whipping lie. The photographer who took the picture of the Border 
patrol agents on horseback attempting to prevent Haitians from illegally crossing in the United States is speaking out after Democrats and the mainstream media falsely accused the agents of using whips on Haitians by using his photos. And the guy said, I've never seen them whip anyone. He was seeing, swinging it, but it wasn't misconduct. When you're looking at that picture, it's not true. And the Border Patrol said, this is, this is absolutely proper behavior. And guess what? These Border Patrol agents are going to get to sue all the media who called them out, who said this was worse than slavery. How nuts are you? How deranged are you? If you say this is worse than slavery, it didn't even happen, right? But what Tucker Carlson said was most important. Here is the president of the United States who swore an oath, the fake, phony, bogus, illegitimate, supposed non-president of the United States, who took an oath to protect and defend the laws of the United States, the Constitution, and take care of you, American people. These people are breaking into our country and he's defending them against our law enforcement. That's an impeachable offense. These are criminals and we're going to make them pay. The day of reckoning is coming, my friends, because the American people see through this. No one's buying this crap. They may be selling it and in their little group in the White House, they're thinking, aren't we doing a good job? We're all laughing at them and swearing at them, and rightfully so. But let me drill down a little bit on just, I want to make an important point here, and I won't take too long to do this. So we, I showed you the map last week of all the Afghan refugees, these unvetted Afghans, who are being put all around the country, and a lot of them in, in red states, to change the vote down the road, right? Same thing with the illegal immigrants. They're putting them in red states, and then they're going to try to give them amnesty, and they're going to make them American citizens and have them vote against Republicans, right? Against conservatives. But here's, let me drill down on that. Cleveland came through with donations for incoming refugees uh, from Afghanistan. Now the search is on for housing and long-term support. So remember how I said to you, yeah, they're just going to arbitrarily say, we're going to dump these people in your community and you got to pay for it. You got to pay for their schooling. You got to pay for their health care. You, you're going to pay in taxes to support these people. How is that fair? Ohio Governor Mike DeWine yesterday announced that 855 refugees from Afghanistan will be coming to Ohio, including 285 to Cleveland. Yeah, as if Cleveland can take care of their own damn people let alone, let's give them 285 more people who can't speak English, can't read or write. Hell, they've already graduated from the Cleveland school system if they're that ignorant. Anyway, all granted humanitarian parole after undergoing stringent security and medical screenings. And they should, uh, uh, as they sought escape from their country. That's a bold-faced lie. That's a bold-faced lie. There was a Fox News report, might have been Laura Logan or someone who did it, that only 14% of the Afghans that are in our country right now have been vetted. 86%, we have no idea who they are. No idea. The process, little known compared to other immigration programs, will give the refugees two years to finalize their immigration status through these traditional routes. Yeah, what happens if they don't? We're going to throw them out? Who's going to do that? I hope we have control and we have the guts to do it, but they're not going to do it. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Just put these people here, feed them, clothe them, house them, and you know, and then two years from now, uh, they can tell us whether they they you know, became American citizens. These are individuals, Dwine said, who have been partners with the United States and deserve our support in return for the support they've given us. Dwine said in a press release, "Thank you to the resettlement agencies and communities who have stepped forward and demonstrated they have the resources necessary to help these individuals." This is what I want to focus you on. Okay. This is where we've got to fight back because these people ask you for donations in your community and then they undermine our sovereignty and our nation. Here's a list. Where will the African refugees go in Ohio? Other Ohio's placements include, listen to the names of these groups. It's really important. Akron, International Institute of Akron, Cincinnati, Catholic Charities of Southwest Ohio, Cleveland, us together. Oh, isn't that cute? Cleveland, Catholic Charities Migration and Refugee Services. Cleveland, U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants. Columbus, Community Refugee and Immigration Services. Columbus, us together. Toledo, us together. Us together are commie leftist groups who do nothing but destroy your country and your city. You need to be protesting outside their doors. And you guys who are Catholics, you know what? The biggest story about why the Catholics have gotten on bed with, with the woke lefties in our country, I've told this before in our podcast. Catholic Charities gets like $30 billion a year from the federal government to take refugees and drop them off in your neighborhood. They've been bought and sold like cheap horse. And that's why the priests in your parish won't talk about abortion or about, you know, the border or any of this stuff. The Catholic Church has been bought and sold. You need to make a protest. Stop these groups in your community from putting these people here. Don't let them take these people. Let them know we don't want Afghan refugees. It's all local. Find the groups in your area, in your state, who are taking these people in. And then here's a video of Senator Cruz that did a great job, this is a very short video, to call out the entire Democratic left, particularly that total joke OAC, who's just a complete puppet, moron, okay? And, and it's beautiful. So listen to this. Every Democrat who stood up and lamented kids in cages. In the House of Representatives, Representative Ocasio-Cortez has a famous photo of her grasping her head by the kids in cages. Well, I'm gonna give a simple challenge for Representative Ocasio-Cortez and for every Democrat in this body. Go see the Biden cages with your own eyes. I've seen them, the Donna tent facility with over 4,000 people, with little boys and little girls on top of each other. Just a couple of weeks ago when I was in the Rio Grande Valley, the rate of COVID positivity in the Biden cages was over 22%. And all the Democrats who talked about this, if they don't go, if they don't denounce the Biden cages, then they're telling you, they're hypocrites so there you have it make a copy of that okay i'll put a link to it 
and on our webpage, and you can download that and send it to the Democrats in your districts who uh, who talked about the Trump kids in cages. Yeah, and call them out. Share that on your social media with people, okay? Because that's the truth. These people are liars. They're liars. Bottom line. Okay, on to COVID. You know, and we keep fighting the fight, and we're winning some, we're losing some. But the truth is coming out. And the truth is the vaccines don't work. The truth is masks don't work. The truth is social distancing doesn't work. The truth is uh, surfaces don't spread the disease. The truth is that ivermectin works. The truth is hydroxychloroquine works. The truth is that vitamin D and zinc work. The truth is that this is not any more deadly than a, the common cold or the flu. Okay, that's what was just said in Sweden. They just said this is no worse than the flu. We are getting rid of all of our restrictions. They're, they're back to 100% normal, but we're not. So thank God for Project Veritas. Here's what they did. There's a video that they put out. You can go to our website and uh, look at that. And uh, actually, when you go to our website, it'll link to that. But you'll see the story. I'm just going to recap the video for you a little bit. Federal government whistleblower goes public with secret recordings. And here's what some of the people on this video say. Dr. Maria Gonzalez, ER doctor, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services said, all of this is BS, which uses the real world. Now, a patient probably has myocarditis due to the COVID vaccine, but now the government are not going to blame the vaccine. Dr. Gonzalez wanted to say, the government is not reporting adverse COVID vaccine side effects. They want to shove it under the mat. Dina Paris, registered nurse, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It's a sham. It's a shame. They, the government, are not treating people with COVID like they're supposed to, like they should. I think they want people to die. Judy O'Malley, insider and registered nurse, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The COVID vaccine is not doing what its purpose was. O'Malley, again, I've seen dozens of people come in with adverse reactions. If we, the government, are not gathering COVID vaccine data and reported, then how are we going to say that this is safe and approved for use? No kidding. It's a great video. Project Veritas, okay? Go to our website. You'll see this uh, graphic, uh, and, and it's under the video section, okay? And uh, you can click to it. I also need to disclose that we, the People Convention, donates to Project Veritas, your donations we give to other groups that we think are worthy of our support that are doing a great job fighting for our individual freedom liberty and prosperity project veritas is one of them so thank you for your donations we do support them i hope you will also give to them individually they're a great organization that does the job that the media used to do yeah where's the 60 minute videos remember 60 minutes oh yeah we don't watch them anymore because they're liars so we're also fighting back against the max, mass or vaccine mandates that Biden's trying to impose. The, here's a press release from the Attorney General of uh, Alabama, where basically they've just completely told Biden, go pound salt. Uh, Alabama hospital defies Biden administration, ends COVID vaccine requirement for staff based on threats of lawsuit. Bowing to the threat of legal action against it, one Alabama hospital has rescinded its requirements that all staff be vaccinated against the coronavirus. Last week, the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty said the hospital was violating state law. The letter uh, said the state's ban on vaccine passports means government entities cannot require anyone to disclose vaccine information. 
At the Supreme Court of Alabama has recognized UAB Hospital is a state-run hospital. Consequently, UAB may not require its employees to disclose whether they have been vaccinated or not. Likewise, the Alabama Attorney General has examined the law and concluded that no government, school, or business in Alabama may demand that a constituent or customer respectfully be vaccinated for COVID-19 or show proof of his or her vaccination for COVID-19. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall also questioned the legality of the Biden administration's mandate, saying he had received complaints about the privacy violations. The Attorney General's office has received complaints from healthcare employees who believe that their COVID-19 immunization status was obtained by their employers through the imprint registry for the purpose of verifying compliance with the employee's immunization requirement. That is illegal. In several of those cases, you know, we've notified them the vaccine mandate is unprecedented in its audacity and unlawful in its application, Marshall said. The Biden administration knows this full well. The state of Alabama will not allow such an authoritarian power grab to go unchecked. That's how you fight back. You ignore them. They ignore the law every day, every second of every day. They don't need no stinking law. We're in charge, don't you know? No, we don't know. You're not in charge. It's our country. We're in charge. We got to show it. We got to make it happen. Here's a little bit of good news on the COVID front. But again, to tell you why we need to protect free speech and we need to keep letting people work on the issue with COVID. Okay? The biggest problem we have with this is that the the know-it-all elites who know nothing have stopped the process that has solved every other crisis that we have. And that is individual doctors and research institutes experimenting and trying things and getting them out in the marketplace to see what works. Here's an, a, a good case of that. Vanderbilt research researchers discover ultra-potent antibody against COVID and variants. Vanderbilt University Medical Center says technology it developed has led to the discovery of an ultra-potent monoclonal antibody against COVID-19 and variants, including Delta. VUMC made the announcement Wednesday saying the antibody can neutralize against SARS-CoV-2, the virus behind COVID-19. The research was published in cell reports earlier this month. Researchers explained the technology behind the discovery is called Libra sequence or linking B-cell receptors to antigens specifically through sequencing. It helps speed up the discovery. This is one way to proactively build a repertoire of potential therapeutics against future outbreaks. Not just this outbreak, against future outbreaks. This is the kind of stuff we need. This is what the Biden regime is stopping. This is what the corrupt... FDA and, and the medical establishment is stopping. And that's why we've got to stop them, which leads me to this story. Ohio Congressman Bob Gibbs calls for Republicans to impeach Biden. Now, I posted this story on our website in August, okay, August 8th, because Gibbs was drafting this proposal. But now he actually went and filed it. And I put that out as a text uh, you know, to you guys on Friday that said, do you know that only four Republicans have signed on to this? Call your congressman and demand they sign on to this. But more importantly, go to this story on our website, okay? Just go to the search eyeglass and type in Gibbs, okay? Uh, and, and Or impeachment. And the story will come up and download the articles of impeachment because he talks about 
you know, the, the Afghan debacle, the border, the COVID, and, and he details how the president of the United States is breaking the law, which is an impeachable offense. Now, people say, oh, this is not going anywhere. The Dems won't get on board, blah, blah, blah. Folks, this is for 2022. What do we say? We want to elect lawyers in 2022 who will take action to recover our nation. And I've said that we need to make a standard. Everyone running as a Republican needs to commit in writing to the public that I will vote to impeach Biden and Harris upon being sworn in on January of 2023. Okay? This is what you need is to have the the. the, the the documentation, what is the impeachment? It's right there. Go to this website at wethepeopleconvention.org. Download the impeachment you know, PDF, read it, and then call your congressman and demand that they sign on to this. The fact that only four Republicans have signed on to this is just disgusting. It's disgusting. Get mad. Get after them. Okay, another good time to pause. Think about what I said before we go on, okay? Now, we are worried about World War III. We are worried about China attacking Taiwan and, and having a weak America, giving them the incentive to do that. I want to give you two important pieces of information that I put on our website. I put this story out. China's banking system in serious trouble with insolvency of largest real estate developer. Everand default could rock China's entire economy. So that's on the We People Convention website. You can read the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. China's public debt already stands at, get this, 270% of GDP. I told you their vulnerability was the banks and their money because they've been They've been lying about their economy for 20 years, okay? That's unbelievable, 270% of GDP. And non-performing loans have hit $466 billion. In addition to, economic, addition to existing economic challenges, real estate giant Evergrade Group has signaled that it may default on payments owed to creditors. China's second largest developer is facing a liquidity crisis on, as its offshore bond trading has been suspended. Evergrande accounts for 4% of total Chinese real estate high-yield debt. The company's debt is of such significant uh, size that it may pose systemic risk to China's banking system. Late or default payments by Evergrande could cause a chain reaction to defaults across institutions, like in 2008. Ad additionally, Evergrande has implications for the labor market. The company employs 200,000 people regularly and 3.8 million people per year on a project basis. After 18 months of spread of COVID-19 lockdowns, China needs more, not fewer jobs. This is a sign of a country that's unstable, which causes political leadership to do things like start wars. Listen to this, what they're doing. Beijing unleashes sweeping bid to remold society. Okay? Listen to this stuff, folks. This is important. From tech to entertainment to private tutoring, few sectors have been left untouched in the regime's campaign to tighten control. China's tech behemoths are handing months of profits to the regime in Beijing just to demonstrate loyalty to the Communist Party. 
Popular actors have been erased from internet history with their devoted online fan groups disbanded. Young gamers now are allowed no more than three hours of time on their video games per week. Across Chinese classrooms, 147,000 newly minted inspectors have been deployed to oversee the national dissemination of the ideology of China's top leader, Xi Jinping. The, uh, let's see. Be it e-commerce, entertainment, education, or gaming, few areas of Chinese society have been left unscathed amid Beijing's, Beijing's torrent of regulatory activity in recent months. As the authorities clamped down on the offender actors, stock markets tumbled with hundreds of billions wiped out, while companies and individuals have scrambled to assess the new rules, lest they tread on the regime's toes. The cascading crackdown, I'm sorry, the cascading crackdowns have been swift and puzzling. With something, uh, some likening the party's attempts at social engineering to what occurred during the Cultural Revolution, a decade-long period from 1966, when the regime's first helmsman Mao Zedong sought to reassert his control within the party by launching a mass campaign to destroy traditions, beliefs, and social mores. My fellow citizens, when this kind of stuff goes on, I told you. Xi Jinping, his whole thing is that China owns Taiwan, and I'm going to take it back. They're, they're crashing. The, the people on the left here who say we want to be like them, Joe Biden included, who said democracy's too slow, it doesn't work anymore, and Putin and Xi are telling him that, you know, we got to, you know, change? Yeah, change to what? to a disaster. I'm warning you, and you need to warn your fellow citizens, that these economic things are going to push China to act militarily to what? Distract from these things. Okay? These are atheist communists. Life means nothing to them. Only power matters. They would have no problem dropping nuclear weapons on the United States and killing all 330 million of us. Believe it. Xi wouldn't mind killing 330 million of his people because he's got 1.2 billion. And it would be helpful to him to get rid of some of the ones that are opposing him. Be aware and be concerned. This is very scary. And I just saw this week that Taiwan has now lit up anti-aircraft missiles because the Chinese keep flying flights over their territory and they might fire and shoot down one. And when that happens, holy cow, do you want Joe Biden at the helm? You want Milley as, as a joint chief of staff person giving Biden advice? He's going to tell the Chinese what we're doing, the damn traitor. I bring this to your attention because it affects you. You may think it doesn't. I hope I'm convincing you. Folks, if they take Taiwan, America it will not be America. You know why? Because lots of the chips we use in cars and trucks and TVs and fighter planes come from Taiwan. We depend on them to make a lot of stuff that we don't make here anymore because our elites like George W. Bush and his father send it all over to China. We must defend Taiwan. We don't have a choice. 
and Japan. It's very scary. You need to be aware. Stop and think about this. Go to wethepeopleconvention.org. Search on China. Watch the video that we've got that game plans what a war like China would look like and where we stand. Okay? Read the stories about how the Chinese literally own every person in Joe Biden's cabinet, including Biden and Kamala Kami Harris. Go read it. I didn't make it up. It's there. Show it to your friends. They figured out how to destroy us. They knew, they found out we would accept bribes and, and, and commit treason on our country. That's how they found out about capitalists, unfortunately. And there's not enough patriots to fight back. All right. More good news. Voting with their feet, parents take their kids out of traditional public schools uh, in astounding numbers. This is a great story. Um, a new report from the National Alliance of Public Charter Schools shows what a great ad advertisement America's Federation of Teachers, uh, President Randy Weingarten, and her more radical members provided for school choice. After more than a year of school closures, Zoom classes, and battles over critical race theory, parents are increasingly taking their children out of public schools. The study looked at enrollment shifts between 2019 and 2020, and then 2020 and 2021. Their analysis showed that 1.4 million, 1.45 million children left traditional public schools. Charter schools gained 237,000 students in that same period. The difference is made up by families choosing private schools or homeschooling. The researchers noted that public school enrollment declines began years ago in many cities and states. Some of the losses due to demographic changes and population decline. However, the pandemic appears to have accelerated the switch to public school alternatives. Now, What's wrong with this? The problem is that the public schools, quote unquote, the union controlled commie public schools are stealing our tax dollars through our existing laws. And they are now getting paid more money to teach less students. And they don't teach, they indoctrinate. We must continue to push for the money to follow the students. These parents who are putting their kids in private schools are still paying property tax to fund the, the commie private the public schools. We got to stop that. We need vouchers. We need we need to destroy the public school system. It isn't a public school system. It's a private. It's it's a union jobs program, not a school system. They don't give a damn about your kids, as they've proven. Over and over, go to a school board meeting. You think any of those people care about your kids, or your grandchildren, those arrogant asses? That's the battle. If we defund the schools, we will save our country. Think about it. If we had vouchers, so again, I'm not against, we must have an educated populace. So I'm not against our tax dollars educating our children, but I want the money to stay with you as a parent. And so it would be just like college. There would be a website that you could go to and you could pick who you want your kid to take history from, English from, math from, whether they're in second grade or third grade or they're in high school or college. And you use your voucher to pay for that. And at the end of the year, all you have to do, like the CLEP exams I've talked to you about, is test out of your fifth grade. All we need is a government board to put standards that says, when you're done with fifth grade, you should know this. How you get there is your business. And it would provide a free market system. And you know what? 
good teachers who aren't commies would make a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a year because they wouldn't care if they had an auditorium like at a university with two hundred kids in it. It's only the unions that say, "Oh, we got to keep only twenty kids in a classroom," you know. So what? So they can hire more teachers? Not because it's an educational issue. Fight for vouchers. We must blow up the school system. It's not a school system. It's a jobs program for the union, and it's a way to take our tax dollars to fund the communist left. That's what it is. I'm telling you the truth. Go talk to anybody who's involved with the teachers' unions. They'll tell you. So again, here's some truth for you. All the defund the police, right? The morons and, and on the radical left who actually think we should defund the police, and they're the ones calling you a racist. Right? And they're saying America is systemically racist and white cops are just mowing down blacks for fun, right? Which has absolutely been disproven. It's statistically not true. It's a damn lie, like all the other things we talked about in this show. Okay? And they're still pushing in Minneapolis, they're trying to have a, a thing, a vote to defund the police. Yeah. And here's what you see if you look at this chart. I hope you can see it uh, big enough on your screen. And what it says is, that who who thinks they should uh, you know uh, reduce the size of the police force? Whites, thirty three percent say they should. Fifty one percent say they should not. Sixteen, not sure. Blacks, fourteen percent said you should. Seventy five percent you say you should not, and eleven said they're not sure. There you have it. The racists are BLM. The racists are Antifa. And you know who BLM is and Antifa is? They're white college cowards who've been indoctrinated and wear hoods on their face because they are cowards and they are the racists who want to kill black people. And that's what they did last summer. They burned down black businesses and Hispanic businesses and immigrant businesses in our major cities. They didn't burn down the white businesses. You think those targets they burned down in Minneapolis didn't serve the black community? Where do you think they're going now? There is no damn Target store. There's your racism. White leftists are your racists, not white conservatives. Share that chart with friends and family. Here's some other decent news. Kyle Rittenhouse. I know a lot of you guys have forgotten about Kyle. He was the young man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was trying to protect private businesses. The mob attacked him. A guy pointed a gun at him. He shot and killed him. It was self-defense. The video shows that. Yeah. Well, the left is trying to, quote, unquote, make an example of him, right? His trial is finally coming up. And we had good news on the first day. In a tense hearing, Kyle Rittenhouse's defense convinces judge to throw out significant portions of the government case. It was an all-but-ugly day in court for prosecutors hoping to put Kenosha shooter Kyle Rittenhouse behind bars on six counts, including murder. During a lengthy evidentiary hearing, the defense scored victory after victory while the government was increasingly frustrated at the judge's ruling in favor of the defendant. Assistant District Attorney Thomas J. Thomas C. Binger argued that the defendant is a teenage vigilante and a violent vigilante at that. But that was precisely the problem with the state's evidence, according to Kenosha County Judge Bruce Schroeder. So take a look at this story uh, on our website, okay? 
They're trying to convict this young man of murder. Um, listen, just like the Justice for J6 people, we've got to defend Kyle Rittenhouse. He did what you and I always say we're going to do, right? We're going to use our guns to defend our rights. He's innocent. Go back and look at the videos. It's on our website. I'm sure you'd have to look under Rittenhouse or something, okay? But go to this web page where I, I have the trial begins because there's a link there to donate. I want you to know that I and my wife, Nan, have personally donated to his defense. We've also sent some money from the We People Convention, and I hope you will donate to his defense because this young man needs to be proved that we have a right to defend ourselves with our weapons. Otherwise, what does the Second Amendment mean? Okay, that's why they're going after him. And I thank God that it looks like he's got a good defense team and he's in a court where he might get a fair trial. That's good news. Say a prayer for Kyle as well and his mother, who's really been struggling. Can you imagine wondering about the fate of your, your child? It's, it's tough. Say a prayer for them, okay? Keep them in your thoughts. Maybe send them a few dollars. I think that's important. All right. About ready to wrap the show, and, and I want to talk to you about something. A while back, I put a video that's on our website. It says, how to remember what you see and learn from it. And it's a little like 14 minute video. It's in our video section. And I gave it to you and I've used it in this podcast where I've said, stop and think about what you just heard and let your short term memory process it. And so it goes into your long term memory. So then later you can contemplate it and then you can kind of put it together with your other experience and inform yourself. Okay. In that video, there is a book that he mentioned called The Shallows. What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. It's a book called The Shallows, okay? And I've got, you know, this up on the screen where you can get it, um, and, and I hope you'll, 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 you'll buy a copy of the book. It's pretty cheap. I just got done reading it, and the book is really, really important. What I didn't understand, you know, we all talk about it, you know, and we laugh about it, but we know it's serious, and that, and that is that the Internet makes us dumber, Okay. What I didn't understand is how that process works and that it's not just because the information is crap, okay, that's bad enough, but it's actually because it literally physically changes your brain. Many of you, you think, have been told throughout your life that the brain is the brain. All human brains are the same. You know, it is what it is. Once you, you know, grow up in your 20s, you know, your brain is formed and it's static, that's the way it is. That is not true. So, and he talks about in this book, science has proven that our brains are growing and changing dramatically on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. And it happens with the, the synapses, okay, and, and with you know, the way the brain you know, fires and communicates information across the brain, okay? And in this book, he talks about how the problem with the internet and particularly social media is that the way your brain works is that you hear me talk about this right now, it's going into your short-term memory. But studies have shown that only like four pieces of information can be held in short-term memory at a time. And if you pick up another piece of information, like on social media, where boom, something comes up and it's a picture of a baby or it's a dog or whatever, whatever you had in your short-term memory drops out and gets replaced by that. And what they're showing scientifically is that if you don't keep it in your brain 
for like 15 minutes, it's gone. It never goes into long-term memory. More importantly, what is happening is that these the internet and, and what you do reinforces your brain by using synapses to basically change their function to do something that's important to you. And this is both good and bad. In other words, it's like learned behavior becomes physically embedded in your brain. So for instance, if, if you um, remember when you used to know everyone's phone number, heck, you probably can remember your phone number when you're a kid, but you can't remember your husband's or your child's phone number right now. Why? Because it's on your phone. You can look it up. Why do you have to remember it, right? So, so even though you dial their number all the time and you see it on the screen, it never goes into your long-term memory. But when you were young and you had to remember phone numbers, you repeated it over and over. And what happened is that created parts of your physical brain that stored that information. And the more you remembered it and the more often you dialed your home phone, the more that was reinforced. And that's why you can still remember it 60 years later. And so the problem is that people say, well, I don't need to remember because I can look it up on Google right now. I can look it up on Facebook. I can find that information right now. Why do I have to remember it? And the answer is so that you can contemplate it. So you can have a deeper understanding and can get wisdom from it by connecting these long-term memories into a belief system, into what you know to be true. Okay? So, I mean, I'm talking about like if you're a, a, a machinist or a carpenter and you use tools and you hammer and you cut joints and all that stuff, it's important that it goes into long-term memory because two years later when you're trying to do something, you got to remember, yeah, I remember when I did this, I used this tool and I was able to make this work or it was close to that and maybe I could change that a little. When you just look it up on the internet and it tells you fix this by doing this, this, and this, two years later, you don't know how you fixed it. Now you say, well, I'll just look it up again. Yeah, but what if you don't have an internet connection? Do you ever lose your phone and then you want to borrow someone's phone to call your wife to come and get you? You can't remember her phone number? That's not knowledge. That's how the internet's making us dumber. And it talks about how by replacing books, written books, where you sit and read and concentrate, right? And maybe you stop after you read a paragraph and go, I didn't quite get that. I'm going to read that again. You inform yourself in a way you can't using a smartphone or the internet or reading an article on the web. In this book, The Shallows, he talks about how they've done tests with how you read online and how that's different when you read a book. It's not the same. It is detrimental to the human species because it's going to make us dumb as rocks. And we already got a big enough threat from artificial intelligence, okay, and machine learning and the future of computers. But the point is the internet is simultaneously making them smarter and us dumber.
It's worth reading. It's worth reading. And if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org and you click on the little uh, you know, yellow uh, button that's on the front of uh, our system. Let me see here. Uh, where's the front page? I can show this to you, I think. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, so if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, you see the yellow button that's our front page. Uh, on the front page, it goes to podcast. You will go to the podcast player page, and not only do I have the links to all the stories, and the ways you can watch and listen to the podcast on Rumble, okay, you know, on, uh, you know, uh, Roku, all that stuff. But I have a little thing that says Tom's book list. And it's a picture of a book. You click on it and it will list all the books that I've read and I talked to you about if you want to order it. Go to wethepeopleconvention.org and go to the podcast page and then click on the books and, and, and get this book. It is very important. We do not understand that we're committing mental suicide we're, we're, we're literally destroying our brains every day with everything that you're doing they know it and they're still doing it that's how evil they are don't stop reading books don't stop taking time to sit by yourself quietly and contemplate and think that's important to your mental health turn off the tv turn off the computer he talks about email don't check don't have your email running all the time Check it once an hour or whatever. It's not that important. Most of it's garbage. Control your life. That's how you defend freedom. Because isn't freedom really freedom of thought? Isn't freedom really you're being able to be you, whoever you are? Well, you know how you become who you are? By how your brain develops, by your common experiences, through for your experiences throughout life that you now put together in your long-term memory to figure out what do I really believe? Who do I really trust? What are my memories of that person and what they said or what they did? Do I trust them or I don't trust them? That's what you get from your long-term memory. Don't destroy your long-term memory. Okay? Don't do it. All right. That's enough. I thank you for watching today's podcast. I hope it helped you. I've given you several asks, right? I ask you to call your congressman about the budget and, and the Republicans about stopping it. I ask you to call... Uh, you know, uh, in uh, about the, um, you know, the, the representatives in your state about passing the legislation that, uh, you know, Arizona is being, you know, uh, suggesting they pass. You know, let's keep fighting the fight. Write to me at info at we the people convention dot org about, uh, you know, whether we should go forward now with the barn billboard program or at least, you know, launch it now or hold off to it. I'm sorry. I'm just looking for uh, one of my cues here yeah so write to me at info at we the people convention.org i'd be happy to you know to get your uh your comments about this show and your suggestions and and story ideas please do that info at we the people convention.org um you know go back review this go to the podcast page where i have the times of every story pick the stories you're interested in watch those first just slide the controller on the player to whatever section and pick it up that's the way you can you know, be efficient in your time. You don't have to watch the podcast start to finish, though I know many of you do. Watch some of it, take a break, come back you know, next day, you know, whatever. I really appreciate you sharing it with other people. We're having record viewership the last two weeks. I appreciate that. We need to get bigger and stronger. The more people calling the banks and writing them emails, the more they're going to change, right? We just proved that again this week. So keep up the fight. We'll be in touch. We'll be back again next week. You've been listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion Podcast. 
My name is Tom Zawistowski, and I'm awful glad you joined us, and we'll be back again next week.